0: Transform your creative potential today. Head over to UnmistakableCreative.com slash 4Keys. Use the number 4, K-E-Y-S. That's UnmistakableCreative.com slash 4Keys. And download your free copy. Wow. Nice.
1: Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part, for every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness.
2: Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash
1: ACAST, code ACAST.
3: Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time.
4: If you just have a fleeting, you know, glimpse of what your fleeting glimpse of what your message is, it's very, very hard to stay true to it because you haven't absorbed it, you haven't owned it, you haven't, you know, haven't, um, you haven't adopted it into your life. So. When people really understand their message, in other words, their why, why are they on this planet? Why are they here? And when they really start to own that and do the work to really strip that out, and I love that process of helping people see something they they almost can't see because it's almost too close to them. When they start to uh, understand it and accept it, then they become, I wouldn't say rigid because rigid sounds kind of almost... um. Like it's a, like almost jarring, closed, controlled, they become absolute in their pursuit of that message.
5: I'm Srini Rao and this is the Unmistakable Creative Podcast, where you get a window into the stories and insights of the most innovative and creative minds who've started movements, built thriving businesses, written best-selling books, and created insanely interesting art. For more, check out our 500-episode archive at UnmistakableCreative.com. Make sure you stick around until the end of the episode to learn how you can download the 10 questions you need to make this the most prosperous year of your life, courtesy of today's guest, Philip McKernan. Today's episode is sponsored by our friends at Hostgator, your one stop shop for web hosting needs. It's the beginning of the year, and you might have a lot of ideas for new projects on your plate. And one of the best first steps is setting up a website and a domain name. Hostgator gives you 24 7 live support via chat, phone, and email, and they even have an easy to use website builder. But let's say you want to build your own website. They even provide a one-click WordPress install. They can even help with your marketing if you need it. And for Unmistakable Creative listeners, they're offering a 30% discount on all their hosting packages. So visit hostgator.com creative and use the promo code creative. Now let's get to the show. Philip, welcome to the Unmistakable Creative. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us. Great to be back. Thank you. Yeah. Well, it is really, really my pleasure to have you back here. Um, we had such a profound and beautiful conversation uh, the last time you were here. And you, given that it's a new year and we probably have some new listeners, uh, just for their sake and to catch people up, can you give us sort of a quick reader's digest version of your work, who you are, and what you're up to in the world today?
4: Yeah, I'm, I suppose it's it's the ongoing joke within my community, and and is if if you can figure out what McKernan actually does, will you let him know? Um, it's kind of hard to wrap it up because it's very personalised. But in essence, I I really support people in a coaching, mentoring, and retreat capacity um, to really connect with what they love, to to reconnect or connect for the first time to what they love, and I really believe on a, on a basic level that. Happiness is a byproduct of something else. In fact, we should drop chasing happiness. And I think if we bring more meaning into our lives and the work that we do, the relationship to ourselves, and the relationship to other people, and we keep moving forward and aligning ourselves and turning that dial to bring more meaning into those areas, the byproduct of all of that is going to be that we're just going to be happier, more fulfilled, feeling successful with our own skin and not allowing... Um, our success to be defined by what society says it is or not just knowing it and feeling it internally and that's essentially what I do and really helping people work on the challenges that they're aware of and really working the challenges that they can't even see and that's I think where I bring the most value.
5: Mm. Okay. So, um, you know, like I said, I'm a huge fan of your work uh, only because it's so deep and and so meaningful. And, you know, uh, for everybody listening, if you haven't heard the first conversation that Philip and I had about the pillars of a meaningful life, we'll be sure to link it up in the show notes. Uh, But this time, you know, what prompted this conversation was uh, you and I speaking and also something you said in our last conversation uh, about money and wealth which was that we could do an entire podcast just about money and what a fascinating conversation that is. Uh, But before we do that and start to dig deeper into that, you you mentioned one thing I think that I want to talk about, uh, which I feel is probably very much related to the money conversation, and that is connecting with whatever it is that we love and how people start to find that in their lives. Like, What is the process of self-discovery for connecting with what we love look like?
4: well I think I think one of the challenges today is that people are holding on to the things they're already doing and telling themselves that they already love them so uh, I, I if I had a dollar bill for for you know speaking of money for everybody that told me that you know they're in a great place they're fantastic and everything's wonderful in their lives to find out you know. It, you know, after the fact that maybe it's not, and maybe that they're not addressing situations within the relationship with themselves, within the relationship at home, within the relationship with their children, or maybe in alignment in terms of the business they run or the work that they do. So people are often uh, walking around telling themselves that they are already connected to what they love. So for example, I had a lady one day saying, I just out of the blue, I randomly said to her, I said, how's your relationship with your children? She said, fantastic. And I said, how do you know? And she goes what do you mean they're my kids of course i know and then she's getting pissed off with me and i said i said just just relax with the anger and just let's sit with the conversation because it could be very powerful and it may not be i said do you absolutely feel and believe that or are you using that as a benchmark from what you witness in society and what you witness from your neighbors across the road because and what we've historically had in our life with it in terms of relationships. As it turns out, 25 minutes, 30 minutes later, she turns around and she goes, you know what, my relationship's not that great with my kids, is it? Now, there's a sadness and, uh, and a reality to that that is saddening. However, now she can do something about it. And she went off and did something about it. And now she has a relationship that, wait for it, ironically, like surprise, surprise, that she never believed was possible. And that's the problem is, first of all, identifying that maybe we're not aligned to doing what we're doing, that maybe we don't love the work that we do, and to face reality today and create the emotional, mental, and perhaps physical space to to explore what it is we do love. But there's no space today if we're holding on and attached to all the things that we say and we think intellectually that we already love. There's no space. So how do you
5: let go of those attachments and create that space?
4: sometimes it's unfortunately a wake-up call it's a reality check that hits you straight in the face um, for example I'm, I've uh, met personally a number of people who've had a wake-up call like a, a moment in their life where something happened to them and unfortunately the reality is something sometimes it's a passing of, of a friend or a colleague or a family member sometimes it's them hitting a wall in terms of their own health their own emotional state their own mental state And what ends up happening is in a wake-up call, I believe, and and I'm sure there's studies out there to go against what I believe, but here's what I fundamentally believe in my core, is that when somebody has a wake-up call, they have two options. One is they just go back to what they were doing before and... The play, play, you know, claim ignorance or whatever, or two is they look at this and they see this as the opportunity to make a change. They don't go out and radically change who they are. They don't become somebody else. What my findings show me is they become more of who they are. In other words, on a very basic level, they go back, look at their lives and just simply give themselves permission to do the things they've always wanted to do. That's all they do in a wake up call. And the the this, the, the wake up call represents a significant dramatic jarring of your system. I'm not I'm not asking people to wait for that. What I'm asking for people is to sometimes face reality. Further onto reality is the pain that people have to sometimes face in order to let go. Great if we can let go. Um, in an invitational way that we realize we're holding on to things that don't serve us. I'm holding on to the work I do, but I really know in my heart and soul it's not for me. I'm holding on to a relationship that I really know my heart and soul is dysfunctional. It doesn't really serve me or the person that I'm with. I'm holding on to the place that I live in, yet I know in my heart and soul I need to live beside the water. I need to live in the mountains. I need to live beside whatever it is. Energetically, I'm not in the right place. But we sometimes need to face the reality and, in turn, the pain in order to move the goalpost, and that's an unfortunate reality in humanity in 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 the world today with humans.
5: So, when we experience these wake up calls, especially in the form of loss, like <clears throat> the end of a relationship, uh, you know, a business partnership falling apart, the death of somebody, uh, you know, our sort of immediate gut level reaction, I think at least in my own experience is to be very consumed by grief. And you know, you've talked a lot about the pain. How do we not become consumed by the pain of these things?
4: Well, I think it's about prevent. It's about prevention. Um, so, so rather than dealing with the grief, which I appreciate, and um, in the term, in, in 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 the context of say a business partnership or losing a business, I mean grief. I see people who who suffer tremendous grief because they've lost an element of who they are their identity has been so tied up. Now, I'm not talking about the death of a family member and so on. Actually, even, even as I say that, let me break this into two things. Let's just say a person dies close to you. Now, I'm not an expert in this area of, of, of grief and, and so on and so forth, but I do believe that I, I speak to enough people that have gone through it or going through it to kind of help them. I think sometimes you just need to give yourself the space. There's a lot of people who move through fat. Way, way too fast through grief. They don't stop and sit in the pain. They don't stop and sit in the shit. They don't stop and experience. We're so afraid today to feel. We're so afraid to feel because we don't like it because when we feel we think we're out of control but we're living an illusion that we think we can control in the first place so we lock ourselves in this amazing cage this this cocoon this jail cell called our minds and we are so limited we're walking around and we're dead from the from the neck down so i think sometimes for me personally somebody i love to pieces died recently um excuse me and I, I sat with the, with, with the emotion, I sat with the, 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 the remembering of him, the pain of it, and I, and, I, and I took the time to remember the beautiful moments that this man, you know, gave me in my life, these little moments here and there. And then I, I allowed that to happen. I didn't rush away from it. I didn't move too fast beyond it. And then I said, okay, now, what can I do to honor this man? What can I do to impact the world or impact a human being and use in a very respectful way their memory, their spirit, their, their passing, who they were, as, as, as a way to inspire and motivate yourself to do something better almost in their name. So face something that scares the shit out of you and say, I'm doing this for you. I'm doing this for you. So on a passing, that's what I do. That's how I process. That's how I handle The death of a business partner or an external intimate relationship and things like that, one of the things I believe is that what we should do is look at why the person has had such an effect on us, why we have given so much of our identity to a business, to a business partnership, or even an intimate relationship, because I don't believe that we should give so much of ourselves... To that type of relationship. I believe that we don't need their love and support to validate who we are. There's a balance between being loved and allowing yourself to be loved by an external partner, or having fun and be successful in a business relationship, but also. When we give too much away, it means we're not necessarily comfortable with our own skin, if that makes any sense.
5: Yeah, it does. I mean, I, I, you know, as I'm hearing you say that, especially this piece about identity um, and, and the dissolution of, of you know, relationships you know, outside of death of people who we love, but you know, when it comes to people who hurt us or people we feel betrayed by, um, how do you separate your identity from those things and those people and at the same time honor the experience that they were in your life or the presence that they had in your life after they're gone?
4: Well, I think the starting point from there is why do you why do you give so much of yourself? Why have you given so much of your identity to um, to your business? For example, I see that a lot in business today. I work with a lot of entrepreneurs, and one of the challenges is they're too enmeshed in what they do. And then people think that when you de- when you when you help them kind of detach from that, you think that they're going to they're going to give up on the dream and the aspiration and the drive they have. Actually, it's quite the opposite. And when I work with athletes and Olympic athletes and people in at a high level, I also ask them to separate from the outcome of winning a gold medal because they're too attached. And by separating the two, it actually gets you to be less attached to the outcome and you move into a place of fluency and flow, um, which, is, which is, is, is the goal for most athletes and really should be the thing that we desire as individuals as well. Um, so identity is, 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 is the, I believe the identity crisis the world is facing today is the greatest conversation in the world that people are not having period. It's the greatest conversation the world is not having today. And we see it with the US military, where they take off their uniforms, they don't know who who they are, and they lead to suicide, alcohol abuse, drugs, depression, mental disorder, all sorts of things. The mother who waves goodbye to their children at the door, when they're going to college, turns, catches herself in the mirror and looks at herself, and by the way, who are you? And then she catches the eye of her husband, who's sitting across the kitchen table and say, I recognize your face. I hear your voice. I know you live here. But who are you as well, by the way? The business person who gives up their business, loses their business, sells their business, um, they, they're they lost. The person that retires, that hasn't taken the time to understand who they are on this planet, independent of the attachments they have, is completely lost and, they're, and, and spirals downwards in terms of mentally and often physically because they don't have a purpose in the world. The problem is that if you backtrack way back, they've given too much of their identity to these individual units and they haven't carved out the space to hold on to the beautiful gift that they have, their story, their soul, and their individuality.
5: Hmm. So, you know, when I hear you say that, I realize that uh, when we have positive outcomes, it's very easy to intertwine our identity with them uh, as well as, as negative ones. Uh, what is the process of disconnecting your identity from from all of these things accolades achievements your business uh the things that you do and the things that you're known for in the world i mean what does that look like when you start to disconnect the identity from the experiences and the outcomes of your life and how do people do that and then of course um do you think that some people are inherently capable of doing such things and others are not
4: well wow. okay well let's 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 just an, <laughs> you should uh, be that's, used to uh, this uh, by uh, now Let's just throw a little easy one in here. Oh, my goodness. Um, I think the best thing I can do right now is just make this slightly personal if I can. And and people tell me that, you know, what I'm doing is incredible or successful or whatever and um, my clients give me I believe personally way too much credence for the work that they do and the improvements in their life I like Philip McKernan improved my business Philip McKernan improved my life, I, Philip McKernan didn't do that you came to me, you opened up you stepped into the work, you became vulnerable you became courageous, you took what the lessons and the learnings and the philosophy and you implemented in your own life so you did the work, so let's be clear on that for me personally, number one is I never apply for awards I never put my name forward for entrepreneur of the year or any of that, I'm not just suggesting a judge people that do. I don't go looking for accolades and awards to validate who I am. Um, I used to do that. I used to think that that's what I needed. I don't go to the press. I don't put press releases out. I don't don't actively look for those things to validate who I am. We can argue there's a business element to that as well, but I, I just choose not to do that. The biggest thing for me, and I can only speak for myself here personally, is that I, and I can't remember the day it happened. I can't remember the moment it happened. And I think it was in years in in motion. And, and somewhere along the line, I stopped making this journey about Philip McKernan. There is an ego there for sure. And anyone who thinks they don't have an ego is absolutely lying to themselves and the rest of the world to know that you have an ego actually equips you because then you go in into any situation with awareness as opposed to blindness. But, I've stopped making this journey about me and my work is evolving where it's actually all about the individuals, all about the clients. It's all about how I can empower the people to empower themselves and in turn other people. And I've stopped making this journey about Philip McKernan. So when I face um, and I face them every day, every week, a a, a situation where I'm really scared and I'm out of my league or I'm out of my comfort zone or whatever you want to call it. I I don't think about myself too much. I don't say, "Oh God, I don't know if I'll fail at this." I don't know if anyone's going to w- read my book or watch my documentary or whatever the thing I'm up to. I go hang on, what if one person does? What could that one person do with this information? What could that unlock within one individual? And the other thing I do is I have a counter to this going back maybe to ego, maybe to validation, maybe to remind myself. I also remind myself by having a little file of emails and cards that I get from people whose lives have been touched through the gateway of the work that I do. And I remind myself that I'm actually doing this for other people. And that gives me unbelievable resilience and strength and courage to move forward.
5: So I do something very similar. Um, And it's funny because I've made a habit of not reading reviews of books because I often will find negative ones. And today for the first time, I logged into iTunes and I saw a two-star review of the show uh, that somebody just didn't like it. And it really, honestly, it kind of just messed up my entire day. It kind of threw off everything for me. And I wonder, uh, in your own work, and your own experience, do you deal with critics? Do you deal with people who challenge you like that? And how do you navigate those situations?
4: Well, first of all, I apologize. I feel, gu- I feel guilty now. I should have given you three stars. <laughs> <laughs> um, after these questions, I'm going to give you one because you're putting me on the spot. Um, <laughs> I don't know if your listeners know, but like you, we don't, you don't give, well, you certainly don't give me questions in advance. So it's actually, it's kind of cool, but it's, it, it obviously is, it's challenging in its own right. But going back to your question, um, you know, I can't tell you the judgment I've had and, and it's come from the sources that, you know, you'd at least almost expect them. And I, and I love my family. I love my mom and I love my dad, but I remember being met with blank faces and its criticism doesn't necessarily always come from the words that are said. It's often comes from the words that are not said. So I remember announcing to the world at home in Ireland and our beautiful, stunning little country that I missed desperately. Um, but I'm, but I'm here for a reason in North America. And I remember announcing that I'm going to go to, you know, North America and I'm going to pursue a dream and I'm going to, I'm going to try and speak and I'm going to try and move people and I'm going to try and whatever. And I remember being met with, and this is not a, a bad thing of my family or friends or whatever, but I remember being met with not the, you know, that, that, that's a disastrous idea, but i been, I remember being met with the, Oh, that, that's, Wow. Okay. That's, 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 uh, that's interesting. You know that in other words, you're absolutely off your head. So I've had all sorts of criticism, a lot of judgment, primarily from people that have never done my work. A lot of people judge me and who I am and what I represent, but they've absolutely no idea what I actually do because they've never stepped into my work. Um, And people, you know, when I put a book out there, when I do a speech, it goes on YouTube, for example, and you have people saying, you know, what an asshole, what a wanker, full of shit. He's just trying (laughs) to screw people. Uh, He has no idea what he's talking about. He's just a sob story. uh, Whatever. And, you know, I think what I've realized is all through through the the, the, the evolution of my work in the context of, um, say, coaching and stuff like that, somebody says, what happens if you deal with somebody who just doesn't want to move or see something? I used to expel so much energy so much energy on trying to get that one individual to see something that they did not want to see because they are so used to being a victim that they don't even know it, but they're so used to being a victim that that's where they want to stay. And now, and it might sound, you know, it might come across as very little compassion and, and a ruthlessness, which actually is not the case, believe it or not, is now if somebody really doesn't want to see it, I go, listen, I appreciate you being here. We're not at that place right now. Could I just ask you to step aside? Because you know what? There's 25 people just behind you with their hands up who really want to grow and who really want to move and let go of the patterns and the behaviors and the things that they hold and the blocks and the insecurities that they hold because they want to grow their businesses and themselves. So if you want to come back to the table, let's come back. So what I do is I look beyond the two-star review and I go, I can't allow myself to be, you know, determined by one person's review, whether it's real or whether it's just a reaction to something you said um, in an interview and they're just reacting to something. And I find often when you stir somebody's soul, um, like I had a man literally walk out of an event one day. um, um, uh, It doesn't matter what the event was, but he walked out of the event and he took, we gave out a CD and stuff and he took the CD, broke it in parts, stood on it, uh, ranted and raved in front of this group of people who were all at the same event and they all had a completely different perspective. And somebody offered him when he wasn't ready for it. He said, okay, maybe Philip McKernan is an asshole. Maybe the event was crap. Maybe it was a waste of time. But is there any part of the event, the conversation, maybe one of the questions that Philip posed, that just stirred something in you, that annoyed you, that just brought something up, that maybe it's not about the event, it's more about you? It's more about you. So th- that's kind of what I do. I look beyond the two-star and I go, who are the people that are willing? And, I, and, I, and, I, and if I read a two-star, um, I go tr- straight to the five-star. And it's not that I'm trying to ignore the feedback. I'm just reminding myself that you cannot please everybody. And when you do, when you do, it's like I believe in life. If you want to be prosperous and you want to, you want to grow, that uh, you see, most people want to grow in the world. If you ask anybody, do you want to grow and be happier? Absolutely. Well, what else do you want? Well, I want I want my family to love me as well. In other words, I want to grow, but I want my family to love me. How many of us have families that want us to grow? Hey, Serenia, Philip, I want you to be happy. Now, just don't change. <laughs> I don't believe you can be fulfilled and happy and prosperous in this world to the level that you need to be on a very deep, authentic, aligned way and keep everybody happy at the same time. And when that comes to your family, who we so desperately want to prove her from, that's when it comes, becomes very precarious and challenging. And we start to dilute our message because we don't want our mom to alienate us. We dilute what we believe because we don't want our dad to judge us. We dilute what we're about to say in a podcast interview or in a book because we don't want our family to, to, to judge who we are as an individual. And the minute you do that, you basically go into this holding pattern of not speaking your truth, trying to keep everybody happy, and you don't do it anyway. It comes back and bites you in the ass.
5: So on that note, um, we want to ask you about something that uh, we'd started talking about when we attempted to record this conversation the first time, uh, which was this idea of the courage to stay true to your message. And how you do that, how it manifests in your work, uh, and you know, what is the impact of something like that on your life when you do
4: yeah, I mean, I, I I suppose first and foremost, you know, to understand what your message is, and and when you get in touch with your message, if you just have a fleeting you know glimpse of what your a fleeting glimpse of what your message is, it's very very hard to stay true to it because you haven't absorbed it, you haven't owned it, you haven't you haven't um, you haven't adopted it into your life, so when people really understand their message, in other words, their why, why are they on this planet? Why are they here? And when they really start to own that and do the work to really strip that out, and I love that process of helping people see something they they almost can't see because it's almost too close to them. When they start to uh, understand it and accept it, then they become, I wouldn't say rigid because rigid sounds kind of almost... um like it's a, like almost jarring, closed, controlled, they become absolute in their pursuit of that message. So for example, I met a lady yesterday who is in television, she's a producer, and she has got in touch with, you know, her mess, her, not entirely her message, but she's really got in touch with what doesn't work for her. And she just can't produce TV shows anymore that don't have a positive impact in the world. And, the re- and her reality is that most of these... um Shows that are being produced today, these reality TVs, don't really positively impact the world on on a fundamental level. So she's getting in touch with what she knows isn't working for her as she starts to craft what her message is. The problem is that her accountant is saying, you need money. So she's periodically taking these projects on that aren't true to her heart. And what I said to her yesterday was that what you want from this world is still not clear. And when that becomes clear, two things are going to happen. One is you are going to be ruthless in the pursuit of that. You're going to say no to things, which is going to be a test from the universe, I believe. And two is opportunities and possibilities, more importantly, of ways in which to move into that space are going to appear that ordinarily didn't appear. And that's what happens. So to me, the biggest point here is not how do you stay true to your message, is how true is your message? Mm -hmm. That's the question we need to ask. How true is your message to who you are? And that is the work that I believe most people don't do or they don't do enough of.
5: Okay, so one last question and then I want to shift gears a little bit. Um, You mentioned that often we're unaware of a lot of the things that are challenging us. Uh, So two questions around that. Why are we unaware, and how do we shed awareness on those things?
2: Life is full of what-ifs, some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry?
4: You know, even though that's something I would say, and I think to some extent there's truth to that, I think actually we are aware we just don't want to see it. Um, so, for example, when it comes to clarity and um, uh, people, what people want to do or what they want to do when they grow up, what you know, what their purpose is, you know, what makes them happy and everything else. I mean, I said to a girl two days ago who's on the phone considering stepping into my work, and I said, you already know what you want to do. And you are, you and I both know that. And she starts laughing. She does know what it is. She's just, it just scares the shit out of her. And, and for various different reasons, I'm unaware because I don't know her story yet, but we're unaware because sometimes we, we genuinely have not been put in an environment where we've had to tell a story or we've had to answer a specific question that will unlock an understanding within ourselves that previously has hidden from us. But the other side of it that I see in people is that they are aware, but they don't want to be aware of it. And I, and, I, and I said this to, to a group recently that people will pay me thousands of dollars, travel thousands of miles, spend thousands of hours. Well, not necessarily thousands of hours, but lots of hours with me for the clarity that they don't actually want. <laughs> Which is so bizarre to say such a thing. But people sometimes don't want their truth. They want it, but they don't. And because what the truth represents is often a subtle or significant change in their lives to honor that truth and to pursue that truth. And the change and the fear of the change is so insurmountable for people. But unfortunately, and my heart goes out to people who are so limited in that regard, because the fear they face in advance of making a subtle or significant shift is nothing compared to the the overwhelming result, positive result of making that shift on the other side. But they can't see that. They can't see that. Um, so, so there is just a couple of observations that I see on a on a daily basis in the context of the work that I do. Hmm.
5: There's more of my conversation with Philip after this short message from our sponsors. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at HostGator. Buying a domain and setting up a basic website is a great first step to getting started with any creative project, whether you want to start a blog, write a book, or create a website for your portfolio. HostGator provides 24-7 live support via chat, phone, and email, and they even have an easy-to-use website builder. And if you're looking to build your own website, they even provide one-click WordPress installs. They can also help with your marketing if you need it. And for Unmistakable Creative listeners, they're offering a 30% discount on all their hosting packages. So make sure you visit hostgator.com creative and use the promo code creative to get 30% off. Our other sponsor is True Car. There are probably a lot of different things you want to do with your life this year. And let's be honest, buying a car is kind of a pain. You go from website to website, dealer to dealer, and by the time you get home, you're so sick of looking around that you just want it to be over with. And here's a little psychology lesson to go with this. All this zaps your willpower because you've spent your day making a bunch of useless decisions when it could have been spent on something meaningful. True Car shows you what others in your area have paid for a car. It's total transparency that enables you to determine the fair price for the vehicle you want to buy. So not only can you get a good deal, you'll no longer have to spend so much time in the car buying process. Think about all the steps, the pricing, going from dealership to dealership, as I mentioned. And that means you can finally write the book you've been wanting to write, learn that language you want to learn, or even learn to cook. With True Car, you can see what others pay. True Car, never overpay. Now, back to my conversation with Philip. Well, let's do this. Um, let's shift gears and start talking uh, Sorry, about-
4: can we? can I share one little story? Yes, because absolutely, if, if, if you don't mind, because yeah, before we move away from this, yes. and I shared the story the other day when we, got, we kind of had uh, you know, internet issues and everything else. And, and I'll give you an example of, of how, and this is just one example, and um, how sometimes we have a dream within us that we don't want to see and we bury it. And, and, the, and the story I use to illustrate this is a real story, but a man who came to a workshop with me, he engaged with me for a, a kind of an ongoing 12-month program. And our first weekend, he made it very clear that he was there to build his investment portfolio and his investment business. And he was coming to me to help him strategize um, and, and get clear on what this looked like and the implementation of it so he could succeed. And um, before we jump on, to you know to, to to achieving that. A lot of business coaches will say you want to get your business to the next level. Great. My first question is, well, forget about whether you want to bring it to the next level. Why are you in it? And making sure that it's aligned because once you do that hard work at the beginning, and um, the heavy lifting, everything comes from a very congruent place as you move forward in the future. And it just means that you don't look back with regrets in 10 or 20 years from now. And I said to this guy, I said, is there anything else in your life, anything else that you do as a hobby or any fun things, anything else you'd like to do? And he was kind of getting irritated and he was getting frustrated because he wanted to roll up his sleeves, dive into this real estate and investment portfolio thing that he had planned. And um, he eventually said, you know, I, I do a little bit of writing. And my, my reaction was very intentional. I said, oh, you're a writer. To which his response was, no, 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 I'm not. And, you know, I don't know when the email or the text went out that you can only be a musician if you get paid. You can only be a writer if you have signed a contract with Penguin and got an advance. That's just not reality. And and I said, oh, you're right. And he goes, no, I'm not. And I said, "So, so tell me a bit about writing. At which point he leans forward in his table and says, Philip, I just want to be clear about something. I'm here to work in my business, okay? I'm here to work in my business. I don't want to talk about writing. So can we move away from it, please? And I leaned forward to him and I said, I appreciate the feedback. Thank you for that. Just so you're clear, we're not talking about anything other than writing until I'm clear that it is not the thing that you need to be doing in a small capacity as a hobby or professionally. Because my job is not to to allow you to come to my room to pay me to tell you what you want to hear. My job is to stir you, to go after your truth in a way that no one else has the courage or maybe... Other people do, but some other people don't have the courage to go after, even by running the risk of you hating my guts for a day or month or a year or maybe for life. And out of beyond that conversation, just maybe 20 minutes later, with absolute annoyance in his eyes, he said, OK, Philip, fuck this. He said, you know what? OK, <laughs> let's just get this out. All I've ever wanted to do since I was a kid is travel the world and write books. Are you happy now? Are you happy? Can we move on? And which I wish i said we're not moving anywhere, my friend, because we need to explore this. And the dream he had and the the perspective he had is that he had a dream of writing books, but he felt that he needed to go and build a multi-million dollar business to give himself the financial freedom to then consider his dream and his aspiration. My belief is we don't have to build an empire in order to fulfill a dream. We can do it in tandem or we can forget about the empire, do the dream, and the dream could become an empire. What does he do today? He travels the world and writes books. That's all he does. Is his life perfect? I am absolutely guarantee it's not. But that's what he does professionally. And he has contracts coming in. He's writing his own books. He ghostwrites, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that is a man that could have spent 10 or 15 years chasing something that he didn't want in his soul because he chased what he thought intellectually he wanted, but he didn't take the time until that day to find out what he intuitively, at a soul level, needed in this world.
5: Wow. So uh, let's get into this conversation uh, about money and prosperity. Uh, Remember, last time you said, you know, it's just a fascinating conversation to look at people's relationship to to this and how they react. And you've had a really interesting sort of front row seat to people at all income levels who come to do your work, uh, which is really what drove this conversation. And so I want to talk about how we start to think about this as we start approaching a new year, and how we make this one of the most prosperous years of our lives. But before we get there, I want to ask about one thing that I remember you said very distinctly in our last conversation was that you didn't set goals, which I thought was really bizarre. Uh, so let's start there.
4: Yeah, and the, the minute you say that, I, I, this, you know, I mean not. Many listeners you have, and it it doesn't really matter right now. But I mean, you've just twenty-five people have just either crashed their cars, or and another fifty people, (laughs) another fifty, another fifty people have put the phone down or turned off the internet, and and twenty-five people have gone to give this one-star review because the idea of not setting goals is absolutely ludicrous in the world that we live in today. Mm -hmm. But here, here's here's a I don't know if it's a fresh approach, a different approach, but like here's my challenge, here's my question, here's my invitation to you. And, and I say not just you, but I mean the listeners, is that if you're an avid goal setter, can you just, like, what would it be like just to let go of changes, not setting goals for 2016, not going after something, and maybe providing and creating an environment where you allow things to come to you? Do you want to be, let's just say you're a business owner, let's just say you run an advertising agency, you run a, a cake shop, you run a podcast, whatever you do professionally, do you want people to be drawn to your message? I'm not talking about you sitting back and doing nothing as the law of attraction. That's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> do you want people to be drawn to your message through word of mouth, through, you know, you know kind of just, you know, talking to people and hearing and feeling and, and listening to it? Do you want them to be drawn or do you want to pull them in aggressively? Do you want that push sale or do you want that pull, pull sale? And it's the same principle. I think that there's a fluency available to us as humans that should not be solely owned by athletes that we can create an environment whereby we don't feel like we're constantly chasing, we're constantly running, we're constantly trying to achieve, and we're constantly setting goals that we think will make us happy. And we get to the top of the mountain, we look around and go, Jesus, I thought it would feel better. I thought it would be different. I thought I'd be happier. And before we know it, we're running to the next mountain to go, hang on, that's the problem, I climbed the wrong mountain. And we go again and again and again. And this, 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 this pattern just keeps evolving. I'm not, I'm not saying goal setting is completely disastrous. That's not what I'm saying. I just think how we've approached it historically is, is adding to the dysfunctionality, the disconnection, the dissatisfaction of a lot of human beings today. And the problem is that many people are great at achieving goals. That's part of the issue. But they're they're setting goals from an intellectual place based on what society thinks they should do, their parents think think that they should do, or they themselves think they should do, or they model their lives on an entrepreneur they read about in Fortune 500 or an Inc. magazine. And they don't know that entrepreneur, but they model themselves in an entrepreneur that they've never met personally, and they idolize these people. And through their influence, they set another additional set of goals. And before you know it, we've lots of goals, and unfortunately, some of us are achieving them, and then we look in the mirror one day and unfortunately this hits us 10 or 20 or 30 years down the line where we realize holy shit this isn't I did, I thought I'd be in a better place yeah I've got money yeah I've got materialisms yeah I've got but I don't have fulfillment I'm successful but I'm not satisfied hmm. So So to me, so, so, so what I've done I've actually prepared for the first time ever I'm not a big Preparation guy, as such. I've actually prepared a set of questions that I want to give you, and maybe you'll post for your listeners questions to consider about 2015, a kind of a year in review. And it's not like, what was the best thing in my year? And I don't mean to be disrespectful. What am I so grateful for I'm talking about deeper questions, more, I don't mean to, because that sounds judgmental, but questions that are going to stir you. And I'll just share one or two of them. Mm -hmm. You know, I may feel successful, but do I feel satisfied? I may well be successful. Do I feel satisfied? What am I tired of? Am I using my gift or my talent? Am I really as happy as I pretend to be on Facebook every single day? And there's a list of 10 questions that I've prepared for people to reflect on in the context of looking back over 2015, forgetting about 2016 for a moment. And then moving into 2016, what do I need to let go of? What space do I need to create? Forget about goals. What's the clarity that I don't want to see that's right in front of me? Who am I seeking validation from? Most of us are, and it's not, are you seeking validation from somebody? It's, who are you seeking validation from? And it's it's asking you to consider these things so you're Deeply aware that you are still to this day trying to seek validation from your father. And therefore, every goal you set is in line with what you believe your father wants from you, whether he's alive or dead. So then we go through 2016, we achieve two or three different things, we turn to our father, and he still doesn't give us the four words, three words, 10 words that we desperately want to hear, which is something like, I love you for who you are, not who I want you to be. I'm proud of you. I love you unconditionally. And the next minute, 10 years passed by, and we realized, holy fuck, I've been living somebody else's life for the last 10 years.
5: Man. Uh. Okay. So let's talk about money and why this is such an emotionally charged subject for so many people. And what is the difference between the people that you have seen who are both happy, wealthy, and fulfilled – And the ones who seem to be sort of struggling, I mean, I remember you talked about the next level thing as sort of sarcastically, you know, uh, being something you joke about with people. Uh, But, I mean, what is that difference? Like, what is, why is this such a a complicated issue?
4: It's not a complicated issue. Hmm. It's actually not a complicated issue. But we've made it complicated. And the reason we do that is it's convenient because it's harder to move through a complicated situation because it's complicated. But it's not complicated. It's so bloody easy. The, the most successful people in the world, in my definition of success, and, and how you determine success, in my personal opinion, in my deeply humble opinion, is you look at someone's eyes. You look through someone's eyes, and that is the only indicator in the world that you need. If you are too busy to understand and to give your the respect to the intuitive feeling and ability we have to master and understand what is going on within our own lives and other people's lives. When you look at somebody's eyes, that's all you need to see. I came back from India recently on a a, a trip to to India. And and one of the things I did was I brought a a camera crew and we interviewed people. Uh, We did a social experiment. where We brought people on this trip to to, to expose them to giving and we followed how it impacted them. But one of the things I did there is I, I interviewed project leaders of NGOs and organizations and and volunteers and people who set them up and founders and i said i said okay let's be selfish here for a moment let's ask the question that you don't ever get asked because is, is Okay, what's in it for you? What do you get from this? What do you get from looking after all these beautiful orphan kids? What do you get from looking after these abandoned seniors? What do you get from looking after these um, you know, mentally challenged uh, you know, boys and girls? What do you get from that? Tell us about what the upside of this is, whether that's your intent and that's why you do it or not. That's not what I'm intent, but what do you get? And without fail, every one of them said pretty much, it was like we set it up. They said, I can sleep at night as they looked at me with these eyes that you would melt into, not because they were brown and sexy or because they had this Indian look or, you know, kind of, you know, exotic look or whatever other terminology you might use, is because their eyes lit up in a different way. They opened up in a different way. They said, I have peace of mind. I have peace of mind, which to me is the indicator of how congruent and happy your life is. If you want to take out your bank balance, if you want to look at your the number of fans you have on Facebook, if you want to show me the number of cars that you own, if you want to tell me how many shares you own in Facebook or any other organization, and that's your measure of success, good luck. But I want you to turn around from the whiteboard and I want to see your eyes because that will tell me everything I need to know. And if you've got the courage to share with me and be open and be vulnerable and honest, can you sleep at night? Do you have peace of mind? There's two ways to create peace of mind. One is leave it alone. Leave it alone. Get out of it. And the second one is to align yourself to a deep, meaningful work that you, can't, you almost can't believe is even available to you. And don't write yourself off. The other one is to not settle for what you think is a great relationship at home. Do you want to settle for a great relationship or do you want to go out and see if it can be greater? Can you run the risk of working on yourself to find out that maybe my self-worth, maybe my self-confidence, maybe my ability to see the world in a particular way needs to be shifted. Because I don't want to sit around and assume anything. So all of these people in India have these measures that we don't take into consideration in Western society historically, but I think it's changing. And, and they, that to me is the measure of success. That to me is prosperity. That to me is fulfillment. And stop telling me how happy you are. And show me, show me how happy you are.
5: That was amazing. You kind of have me at a loss for words.
4: I was, I, I was going to, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm just so... Like, I'm tearing up here right now. And it's not because... I'm sad, but I am. There's so many people walking the earth today that are just settling for this life that they don't need to do. And they keep saying things like, oh, but that's easy for you, or that's easy for... You know, Kevin Bacon or whatever. I don't know where the hell Kevin Bacon came from. But that's easy for Richard Richard Branson or that's easy for whoever because they're, they're successful. They've got money, whatever. All of these people started with nothing or they started with tough times or tough breaks. And the problem is that we, we at the, at the, at the core, I believe that, and I have a saying that I think is the truest thing that's ever come out of my mouth. And it's we give ourselves what we feel we deserve. And I think we have a self-worth issue here, which leads to identity crisis, which leads to people settling, which leads to people giving up on their dreams and aspirations, which doesn't even lead people to give up on them. It leads people not to even start dreaming and reimagining how their life could be. People don't even imagine anymore. They're not even dreaming about what's possible. They're not even running the risk of trying to create something on a whiteboard or on a canvas that doesn't exist because they're afraid that it might manifest itself or they don't believe they're good enough to even try. And that doesn't need to happen in the world that we live in today.
5: So one last question before we wrap things up. What is the relationship between self-worth and prosperity and how do we change it?
4: We've linked our self-worth in many ways to the prosperity that we have in our lives or the lack of prosperity we have in our lives. And prosperity, we have linked to money and materialistic items and success in business and external recognition, recognition, which is a huge one. That's the, that's one of the biggest ones. And people keep saying, and by the way, if you've got entrepreneurs listening, people keep saying, oh, you know, one thing I love about entrepreneurs, is they don't give a shit what the world thinks. That is absolute horseshit. Mm-hmm. I know entrepreneurs that have built nothing other than empires and businesses and multiple businesses based on nothing other are one of the most significant motivators, and that is because they deeply care what other people think. They deeply care what society thinks, and they deeply care what their parents and, and and people around them think and how they think about themselves. And that, to me, is one of the biggest drivers out there in the world. So we have we have linked. We have not just linked. We've attached. We have sewn. We have welded our self-worth on this planet to what it is that we do. And what we do isn't who we are what we do should be an extension an expression of who we are i believe that there is a possibility and for some maybe more aggressively than others i believe that when we take a paintbrush and we paint on a canvas i believe the paintings that we should do not all the time should be an expression of who we are as opposed to painting the paint the, the, the picture that we think somebody wants so do you have the courage to write the book as in your soul or are you going to write the book that you believe is going to sell better which is, which is different. It's not right or wrong. It's just a different type of person that's opened at a different level will choose to do one or the other. And I think if we have the courage to, to step back and, and, and pursue the biggest question of all, who am I? who am I on this earth? Who am I? And we delve into our story. We bring our story back to reality. We bring it back to life, even if it's an ugly, painful story. And we start accepting our story. We start understanding our behaviors from the past who have ultimately dictated who we are today. It will bring us to a place that as we look forward into the future, we'll be so aware of our patterns and our behaviors and our dysfunctionality often to money. Most of the people that I start the conversation with money, by the way, they go, you, hang on just a minute. We're going to spend." A day on this conversation or money how to make money oh great no 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 no. what to do with my money no 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 no. your relation your relationship to money but hang on money is just a thing it comes and goes it's a an. En- i mean they have all these great terms they've read in a book it's a it's an entity it's an energy it's what i mean, maybe it is maybe i don't care about that i want to know how it's shaped who you are i had two women two entrepreneurs sit in front of me one day and go listen philip honestly this is going to be pretty quick i mean because i can just tell you money just comes goes it's no big deal for me 20, 25 minutes later, maybe I shared this with you before, is that the both of them are looking, one's bawling crying, the other one's just so angry. One is saddened because she now realizes through very careful questioning how money has shaped her life. And the other one is, and she's so sad, and the other one is so mad that she's allowed money to determine every major decision in her life. And she realizes as a result of that, that It also has created a lot of pain because it's given her a life that is not aligned to who she is as a person. There's an incongruency between what she does and who she is. Now, you might say, okay, well, why would you create an environment of just devastating and saddening people? So they can do something with it. So they can make a correction. They can make a change. They can turn the boat around. They can take the other path. They can stop and recreate, reimagine, rewrite the rest of their lives. So they don't spend another 20 years making decisions based on something they're not even aware of, which is their relationship to money.
5: Amazing. Uh, As I expected it would be. Uh, Philip, I can't thank you enough for joining us and helping us kick off the year with this conversation. So I want to ask you this question again that I asked you the last time to see if it's changed in any way at all. What do you think it is that makes somebody or something unmistakable? Can you repeat the question? Yes. What do you think it is that makes somebody or something unmistakable?
4: I think, to me, our story, which is our soul, is like a fingerprint and it's so unique. And I think that if you have the courage to really understand your story at a level that you've never understood it, beyond intellect, and own your story, and own who you are on this earth, and own your body, and own everything about you, and accept everything else that goes on around who you are. The things you've done that you're not proud of, the things you've done that you're proud of, and everything in between. And you walk out the door into this world, and you just become the greatest expression of who you already are, and who you've always been, but you've ignored it, because you don't want the world to really see you. And through doing that, you start to use your gift, not your talent. You start to so you just uh, by the way your talent could be you could be great with numbers or your talent could be you know you're you're great at you know um, you know programming but your gift can be something different your gift can be around your relationships with people your ability to open people up your ability to stir people and I think what makes people unmistakable is when they go out into this earth and they just become who they were always were but just hid behind the masks to fit into society and everything else that to me is the most unmistakable. Incredible human being that you will ever meet in this world, and hopefully, the people that are listening today, sometime, I hope that you meet that person in the mirror.
5: Well, uh, I can't thank you enough for uh, you know coming back for another conversation, which has been equally profound and poetic. Uh, this is, I think, just such a beautiful way to help us kick off the year the unmistakable creative.
4: Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah.
5: And for everybody listening, we'll
4: wrap the show with that.
5: To get access to the free download of the 10 questions that will help make this the most prosperous year of your life, visit unmistakablecreative.com slash prosper. And we hope you enjoy this sneak peek at Wednesday's episode of the show in which AJ Leon returns. You always
0: have a fucking choice, you know? And the, the most important fucking thing that I learned on that day, honestly, Srini, and, and, and this was, you know, and I don't know if this, I hope that this will be valuable for you. I don't know. To me, it was very, it was, it was the most important lesson I learned in my life that, I mean, in that day was that, that this life is mine and that it is my one and only